as if the dark is closing in, what are we waiting for? As the light grows brighter and the darkness shies away. Justice. What are we waiting for? So I'm going to share a recent example in my own life and then kind of try to tie it back to all of us. Um, when I began my graduate school program a few years ago through the community-oriented public health practice program at UW, I was taught, encouraged, and it was expected of me for the first time in an academic setting to conduct research and my schoolwork through the lens of undoing racism and oppression. This ended up meaning different things to me, uh, but it included researching the voices that are intentionally excluded in academic literature as I wrote my assignments, and it meant asking the questions that I, as a white, cisgendered woman am afraid to ask or don't consider asking in the first place. I was involved, in other words, in dismantling my own oppressor identities in a new way. For my larger capstone work in the Yakima Valley, I conducted a research project with a community organization on citizenship, mental health, and safety. Many of the people I interviewed for the project were immigrants or farm workers and I was not from um, their community. I have uh, this distinct memory from uh, after I had transcribed my last interview, after I had written word for word all of the interviews and the data were so real, so authentic, and I had lived through each interview multiple times. I had heard the voices and the emotions, the words pulsing through my fingers after, uh, after I had transcribed each interview. But the next step was to analyze the data. I had to make something of it. I had to find the similarities and the differences and connect the dots. Uh, I, had, I had to tell the world the larger story that included the voices that are excluded. I worried, what if I don't get this right? What if I don't capture everything that these people have told me? So I spent hours at the Rainier Beach Library with whiteboards trying to put the data into frameworks and theories that I had read in books and online. I was agonizingly uncomfortable and it was not fitting into what I knew. And the breakthrough finally happened uh, when a mentor of mine encouraged me to, to begin by drawing the story. And I started to draw circles and I made categories, and I realized that the stories I was hearing did not fit into the boxes and the theories that this overly academic and intellectualized, individualized, white-centric, cis, patriarchal, urban, and hetero world teaches. <laughs> in going through this process, I was undoing my own oppressor identities and what I had been taught and the paradigms of my world. One piece of guidance that will stick with me from this process came from one of my professors. He said, you're not doing the research right if you're not wrestling with it. If you're not feeling uncomfortable, it's a good sign when that happens. And for me, this advice now goes beyond research and into my life. With my identities, discomfort is one indicator that I am actively engaged in the work seeking justice. And to be clear, I'm not talking about a moment of discomfort. I'm talking about an extended um, 
wrestling with extended discomfort. So let's transition real quick to talking about our collective justice work. You see, we can't talk, as you heard Brian mention before, you can't talk about justice without talking about collective liberation because justice means working toward our collective liberation. The communities in Yakima that I spent time with taught me about collective liberation. They shared, what they told me was, was that family is the smallest, most um, basic and fundamental unit, not the individual. So when one person in the family experienced injustice, everyone in the family experienced injustice. And my time with them helped me see this in a new way because this was not the paradigm that I grew up with. I'm not sharing new ideas here. These have been shared before by many communities of color throughout the world for a long time. This is just the platform I'm using to relay them again. We are a collective here at SMC, but there are larger collective circles that we are all part of outside of this church too. So let us for a moment consider the divine piece inside of each of us. When one person in our communities experiences oppression or injustices, it means that the same piece of divine inside of us, of me and of you, is also not free. And I do believe that God laments in our collective pain when we do not act for justice individually as families and as communities. It means those around us are hurting and it means that we are poisoning ourselves too. We have to collectively act in this urgency. We can never truly be free until we are all liberated. And that is, a, is what is behind the urgency of our pursuit of justice. That is why we cannot wait. So I'll end with a poem by Luis Valdez, a Chicano playwright, writer, film director, and founder of El Teatro Campesino, a farm workers theatrical you are my other me. Tu eres mi otro yo. You are my other me. Si te hago daño a ti, if I do harm to you, me hago daño a mí mismo. I do harm to myself. Si te amo y respeto, if I love and respect you, me amo y respeto yo. I love and respect myself. Thank you.